Now you gotta visit our island. Yeah, I I was I'm still like getting used to it. Um, I was gonna ask you guys like what your code is to go to your island. Oh, I'll give you our code for sure. Because Lucia okay. has built crazy. How stuff. do you become friends with people? You exchange codes. Um, oh, okay. For example, on your profile, you know mm-hmm. when you click the little picture of your muñeco or whatever on your profile, uh, there'll okay. be an option that says online or friends. And okay. then you can just add friends with codes. Okay. Because I went to some like random person's island <laughs> just because I was curious. With me tonight, actually, it's not the Chikume. He walked through a, a play, play class window. You know, like birds. They just walked right through it. So he's out for commission right now. You know, he does have that mind of a bird sometimes. But with me tonight, I have my sister, Chavela. At, she was a Chef Izzy. Is it Izzy? Chef Izzy. Chef Izzy. Izzy. <laughs> What's up, Izzy. guys? Izzy, it's been a while. When's the last time you were on the show? It's been a long time. Probably like a year. Ooh, was it after? Between? I think it was pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic. Hmm. Then we got a lot yeah, of catching up. Pandemic. a pandemic. We got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, definitely. We do. Well, guys, uh, of course, thanks for listening. This show is brought to you for free. All it costs you is a share, <laughs> a like, and of course, tell your friends, primos, primas, Subscribe. everyone out there. <laughs> Something, man. A subscription is dope, you know? Some kind of share. It's sad that I've been doing this for now almost four years. And Has it been that long? It's about wow. that long, about four years. And we still get dozens of listens a week, you know? <laughs> We'd love to get more. I want to be featured on iTunes at first page. Like, oh, new and networthy. But if it's been four <laughs> years, am I still new? <laughs> new to iTunes. True, true, true. New to them. I, I came up blip on the radar. But guys, of mm-hmm. course, know that you can follow us at My Primos Podcast. We're on all social media. And we do have a TikTok, which we barely touch. All I do is follow people and watch random <laughs> challenge videos. But I do eventually want to do something on there. I don't know how, who, what. TikTok dances. You know, can I, can I pull it off? Is that what it is? Like all those dances? Yeah. You have to bake one up. Uh, My Primos dance. Ooh, man, who can I'm not very like coordinated. I mean, I'm saying I'm not coordinated. I could dance. I can move. I'm big, but I can move. I just gotta figure out what kind of dance. Like to actually choreograph my own dance or our own dance. No clue what it would look like. No no. We'll see. We'll see. Who knows? But it has been a year. Isabel, Izzy. Let's talk about well, how was COVID for you? You, your wife everything how was that for you i mean it's been about a year or so now yeah um it's been crazy um i got covid my wife got covid oh shit that's right you had covid and i remember i was like freaking out it 
was a tough time. I had COVID back in December, and uh, I'm not going to lie, it was scary. I went to the hospital. I'm obviously okay, guys, but um, definitely not something I would wish upon anyone else. Scary and times. Is it, and is it shitty, too, that your wife didn't, she had COVID, but had, like, none of the symptoms that you did? She was, like, not asymptomatic. She had very, very minor symptoms. It was, like, she had a very minor cough. She had, like, um, I think she lost her sense of smell for, like, a minute. And, you know, she had some headaches, congestion. But I had, like, I had a pneumonia. I had the COVID pneumonia. Basically, you have pneumonia when you have COVID, and it's awful. Had a difficulty breathing, coughing, all that fun stuff. You went to the hospital too, right? Went to the hospital. Um, yeah, but I feel like even though I had like a scary bit of COVID, I was. It was really scary when your uncle got COVID. He yeah. was in the hospital for like a week. Yeah, when yeah. my tío got it, like we talked about it on the show, where like my tío, we always make the, the thing like, man, like who who would you say is stronger than my tío in our family is just like a big healthy honestly yeah dude. he's like all protein you know works out gym like eats you know like healthy i guess and he he got it really bad and he, even now he he got sick in february and it's almost june and he's still having like trouble breathing sometimes they just sent back his um his oxygen tank <laughs> you know it's, his, shit, it's funny you told me that yeah because they sent him home with oxygen and they also give him a uh, inhaler yeah. right inhaler he got like an oxygen tank and then he got an actual breathing machine to put oh. in his room okay and you know he got that bill it's expensive Ooh. having covid is expensive man tell me about it you know lucia people know you know she went through treatment and that's just expensive as hell, man. I don't know how we, me and her talk about it. Like people without insurance or mm-hmm. even me that has insurance. I'm like paying out the wazoo and I have no fucking clue. Like how to make we it happen. We got lucky with him. Um, well, kind of, you know, he wasn't working. So shout out to Medi-Cal. Shout out. Man, Cali, my ten- mom's always like, come back to California. There's more shit here to help you. Because in Texas, they'll let you die if you don't have anything. God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's some shit. Like, there's there's a lot of things here where we have a headache about because, like, James, my son, he was born in California. When Lucia was pregnant here in Texas, they wouldn't see her. Doctors wouldn't take her on as a new client or as a new patient. They're like, That's "Oh, so you're sad. already pregnant, and you, we, I can't see you." And it's like, "What do you mean? I need, I'm pregnant. I want to see, you know, want to see a doctor, etc." And they wouldn't see her until, you know, we got to California. That move happened and she was able to get seen, you know, problem. And thankfully it all worked out. But yeah. if someone doesn't have that option to just, I don't know, it's just weird. I don't know if my circumstances it's were tough. just so unique. It's tough. Insurance, you know, they, it's all about money. It's all about greed. You know, I wish we all had universal health care here. It would help out so many people that need it. You know what I mean? We got to be like Canada. Come on. Man, we thought about it. it we thought about it. We're like, man, I've watched so many episodes of, of Kim's Convenience that I'm like, I really want to live in Canada so I can go to that <laughs> Korean man store and like just hang back. I want to be like the Latino guy that shows up like, what? You don't know me? 
you don't know me. Like I want to be like that guy, just hangs out all the time and watch this shit happen. Yeah. Like, the, I want to be a background character. Definitely. In, in I mean, you have family out there. We do. We do have family out there. Maybe make a couple phone calls. It's pretty. I saw like it's gorgeous. Yeah, and oh. they like gay people. You know, they're they do. they're a lot more progressive than we are. Oh yeah, definitely. And apparently they say like. Um, what is it? The guy that runs Canada, the prime minister, is like really attractive. <laughs> well, he's gay. Oh, there, there you go. Maybe that's why. <laughs> that's more accepting. <laughs> yeah, all yeah. gay people are attractive. Ah, if okay. You didn't know. That's you know what, you know what, you guys, yours are great, <laughs> awesome. You know, because next month's Pride, right in June. Yes, Pride Month. Woo! And next month is mine and Karen, my wife, our two-year anniversary. Ooh, congratulations. Wedding anniversary. Yeah, two-year wedding anniversary. Man, mm-hmm. it feels like so long ago. You know, like... <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't, like, COVID, like, the pandemic, really, like, it was a mindfuck, like, the time. It feels like it was just a year ago when the pandemic started, but then it's, like, it was only a year ago. When things were fun, I mean, here in Texas, there the our governor's an idiot, and everything's open one hundred percent now. And I don't know how what's gonna happen, honestly. Ours here in California, everything opens up June fifteenth, and I'm not gonna lie, it's scary. I mean, we're vaccinated, but I'm. I mean, I think having COVID, it's definitely made me more scared and even more precautious than we already were to to protect ourselves because I wouldn't want to go through that again. You know, vaccine or not, got to protect yourself. I mean, you got to be paranoid. Like, right, the people that were paranoid about getting vaccinated, you know, be paranoid about... You have to be a little bit paranoid about this shit becoming a whole other strain, something else yeah. coming up. Like, let's just be real for a second. You're going to complain and bitch about, you know... This hey, this vaccine's gonna make you sick, gonna make you throw like get ill. Have like it's the government tracking you, like oh it's my all, God. all this shit, all this fucking. There's you know. not a chip in it, and if you're worried about a tracking device, why do you have a smartphone? Right, that fucker tracks you. Why do you have everywhere. a computer? Why do you have a smart TV? Like they can't track us through that. Come on. Right. I Let's mean, speak- even right now, as we're you know recording this, they're probably looking at me through my camera. You know, my That's FBI true. agent. That's true. What's up? No, they do, man. The CIA is always listening. They're one of our audience members, you know. So thank you. Appreciate Yay, you listening. One of dozens. <laughs> one of dozens. There you go. The dirty <laughs> dozen. That'll be it. That'll be our thing. But moving past COVID, you know, what's new? What's happening now? Like, what's what's new with you? What's new in your life? What's happening? Uh, so I'm actually in my last week of work. I start. I go back to school next week uh, for my master's degree. So awesome! Congratulations! You're getting ready to be a uh, back to be a student again. Be a student again. Be unemployed. Oh yeah, fun times. Yeah, fun no, times. Are you gonna be at home? Or are you gonna be going to campus? How's that gonna work? Uh, so my program, um, the first part in the summer, we're online virtual, but in the fall, we're supposed to return to campus. So it should be interesting. Nice. So what are you getting your uh, master's in? Uh, social work. I have my bachelor's degree in social work and continuing in social work in a specialization of adulthood and aging. You specialize 
in adulthood and aging. Yeah. <laughs> you break that so, down like like <laughs> you basically means you're yeah. a professional at aging. Yes, yes and no. <laughs> I'm a professional in working with the aging community. Ah, That's aging, the not Asian. Aging, 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 aging. like older. Ah, okay, okay. Older. Okay, cool. Um, I've worked at an agency and specialized with uh, geriatrics for the last almost five years, and now I want to continue with that specialty. So, um, I work with adults who have physical, uh, cognitive, and um memory impairment and then also mostly with older adults over the age of like 60 so what made you go that route like i don't know i mean yeah if you, you always hear people say like you always hear What's about the that first thing that you think of when you th- when you hear social worker it, honestly you said social worker i think somebody that helps you like get like welfare or like helps you get on food stamps so when most people think of social worker they think of someone who works with kids and I knew when I was going to school that I didn't want to work with kids. Nothing against kids. I just, I wanted to be something different. I wanted to do something different. And I feel like the aging community, they need a lot more social workers. They need a lot more help. And there's not enough resources for the older adults. And yeah, okay, do you see more commercials and ads about, kids being abandoned no like i mean that's that's just uh the algorithms because i'm getting older and google's like fuck it you're old (laughs) you're bald let's get you an aarp card you know but what i'm talking about is like you're right because i I don't ever really notice you always see the stuff like oh don't abandon your child in a dumpster or hey how about you be nice to little kids and help each other in the community but it's never like Let's go visit the the old folks' home, or let's uh, mm-hmm. look out for our elderly. Why do you or think you that think is? About, is it expensive? Like, is that why? What do you? It's like, what do you think you can do to prevent someone from going into a an assisted living facility or a nursing care facility or something? But I always and that's what I try to do. I'm curious. So, like, is it that when they go into assisted living, it's because someone has to pay for that, right? Like, like yeah someone has to it's not just yeah it's not free i mean well there are programs it's very hard to get into but there are programs i'll tell you that Uh, it's very limited you have to be extremely low income and this is in california in la county because i don't work in other counties other parts of the world but there are programs very 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 limited housing is a big thing here especially in la there's so many unhoused individuals and you know there's only so many facilities that are available and even if there's a facility available there's like waiting lists of a minimum of like five years so if you need housing tomorrow you're basically fucked so people are living too long is that what it is um, I think with the baby boomers, and there's so many like older people, and then so many people had a lot of kids. It's mm. just like a lot of population. But and then you know, cost of living isn't cheap. Oh, no, God no, especially in LA. 
uh, I can't imagine like everybody. I mean, honestly, everywhere we everywhere we go in the country, it, it's fucked up for people that aren't, you know, making tons of cash. You know, and there's not a lot of there are programs out there for individuals, you know, rehab programs and programs to keep people off the streets. But I wish that there was more for adults. You see a lot of like veterans and older couples and older individuals that are on the street, not because they're doing drugs, you know, not because they have some kind of addiction. It's because they got put in a situation where they had no other choice. And it's really sad. Is it just like you mentioned earlier that people that have like deteriorative disease, you know, like their mental uh, capabilities are no That's longer another what thing it too. It's like a lot of people with mental illnesses, they're, you know, sent to jail or they're, you know, they're, they're picked up and they're put somewhere else. It's like you're just moving the situation from one person's problem, quote unquote, to another person's problem. And that's not right either. You know, there should be more programs for individuals who need the help. And a lot of people who have, who are like children of seniors and they have some kind of cognitive or mental um, disability, they end up on the street because, you know, their parents pass away or they, you know, there's no one to take care of them. It's really sad. So you said, I don't want to work with kids. I want to work with older people. Because you saw, I mean, something happened or something, something really close to you. I mean, what made you get there? Because, um, it, yeah, I'm just curious. Honestly, I didn't have like a plan in mind. Um, in my in my school for my bachelor's degree, I went to Whittier College. Your last year of school, um, you have to do an internship. Ninety percent or ninety five percent of uh, my class was working with kids, whether mm. it be in school, uh, a, a child protective services, uh, what is it, foster care. I was the only one in my program that did not work with kids. Is it just because you and got I... there late one morning and you're like, fuck, okay, <laughs> I guess I got to work with old people now. No, I, I honestly, when I, when I started applying for internships, I um our professors pick like certain places for us and so when they we fill out our form and when I put on there I said you know what I'm open to uh, programs don't necessarily want to work with kids and I got three different options one of them was working with kids and then I ended up where I currently am I did my internship and it was for seniors I'm like, huh, okay, seniors. And I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know what kind of assistance I was supposed to provide. And then I did my internship. They offered me a job after I graduated. And I just, I fell in love with the programs. That's cool. I mean, so do people seek you out? Like if me, if I have somebody that's elderly and I'm like, you know what? I mean, I don't know. It's hard. I feel like does, mm, let me put it to you this way. And we're family, but if I came along and we're not related and I said, hey, I have this, I have my dad, he's he's older, he's he's losing his mind, um, I have to work a lot, I'm missing work because of it, I, I can't really do anything, would I come to you to help me find somewhere for him to be, to be housed? Am I, and, and, and uh-huh. hold on, like, or is it like, 
and I hate to some to put this out there. It sounds really crappy, but is it like, hey, I give up? I can't do anything. Take my my dad from me because I can't do anything for him. Like honestly, we get a lot of different calls. Like every day, I'm a social worker. I work with case management programs. Case management basically entails that you're working with an individual and seeing what their needs are, and you try to meet those needs, whether it be housing nutrition, transportation, you know, you know, they need to enroll in programs like Medi-Cal, Medicare, Social Security, whatever it is. And every day I get a call, you know, this is someone I'll answer and I'm like, oh, okay, what can I help you with? And they give me their life story. They tell me what's going on. What can I do? And sometimes it's really quick answers. And I can say, all right, call this number. They can help you. This is what you got to do. But most of the time, it's not a quick answer. And there's only so much that could be done over the phone. So I try to use the information they give me to like put them with the right person or we enroll them in one of our programs, depending on where they live, because there's limitations on what we provide. And we see, you know, like, can we help them? If we well, can, what are your all right. Calls, though? Like, so if I'm calling you and going, hey, listen, I'm going to abandon my dad on your doorstep. Uh, peace out we can't or, do that I'm, I'm just saying like i'm just asking these <laughs> questions because i hear stories of people say like oh hey this guy just got like he hasn't doesn't have anybody but somehow he got into a program was it that they seek the help or someone came along like a good samaritan and was like and oh in situations like that where it's that severe um usually adult protective services is involved which is like child protective services but for adults so a social worker from APS will go out, whether the police were involved, someone did a report like on their family member or like a social worker like myself did a report. This person was, you know, they didn't have food in their home. They're being verbally, physically, even sexually abused by someone. It could be their caregiver. It could be a family member. It could be a neighbor, whoever. And APS goes out and they see the situation and if they need to be removed from the home they'll remove them from the home if they can stay in the home and someone else is the problem they can remove them from the home it really just depends like i got a call um i got a call on friday i think from someone and they were basically telling me i think um this person is being abused it's a family member but i don't know and you know it's hard because abuse to some people isn't what people think the word abuse means isn't always what is qualified to make a report because sometimes families they don't get along and then they like accuse their family member of doing something and it's not always true so we have to be yeah. really cautious about how we approach things and they're basically saying that the situation they didn't know what was going on they didn't know um they hadn't talked to the senior and he needed help but that's what the family member said so we needed the person to say yes i need help for us to help them at least our agency well if aps is involved they'll go but if they say no i don't want help they won't help them so then for example if and i'm asking this question what is the the majority of, of the races of people that you see is there more minorities like more latino black community Latinos. Or... 
the majority of my clients are Latinos. Um, I have, I would say the majority of the clients are Latinos, like at least 75% and maybe like 15% white Caucasian. And then it seems odd to me because the majority of Latino homes have been raised to, to kind of stick, keep with your elderly. They live with you forever, you know, and right. you even se los turnean, like, oh, I spent a year with you, a year with me. Like, you kind of pass yeah, them around. Yeah, that's what my grandma did. That's what my grandma did when she was alive. I remember when I would be at my dad's house, she was there sometimes for like two or three months. And then she would be at my tío's house for another three months. And then my tío's house for another three months. But you'd be surprised um, with, you know, Latinos a lot of the time. Or some of the things I've seen is, like, they don't know how to care for a senior. Or they just don't have the time or resources to be able to. Like, they got to go to work, you know. You don't always get paid to take care of your family members. And it's a full-time job taking care of someone. Being a caregiver, a family caregiver, it's a full-time job. Oh, yeah. Just like anything else. Especially if you have someone who's bed-bound, you know, they're in a hospital bed and they need 24-7 supervision. Those things. You know, it's not like you can go work a nine to five and then they're okay by themselves the whole time. Man, it's trippy, but what you're doing is very admirable. Like you said, I mean, no no disrespect to anybody else that works with kids or animals, anything, right? But, you know, you're putting yourself out there and a lot of these are public services that are so <laughs> underfunded, right? Yeah, like, I mean, I've been, put in, I've been put in tough situations. I've had I've been kicked out of people's houses. People have thrown things at me. I walked into a house one time. There was a gun, um, not pointed at me, but there was a gun like lying around. Um, just made you very nervous. Just with the it's weapon. Tough. Being there. I mean, you know, just because we work with older adults, that doesn't mean that we're not susceptible to violence or, you know, things happening to us. If anything, it could be worse because they are adults and it's not like, you know, with the kids, someone who's younger than you, maybe you can de-escalate the situation. But an older adult, sometimes the smallest thing will set off a trigger in someone else's mind and you just like never dementia, know. I'm guessing, like, who are you? Dementia, like... Alzheimer's. Um, I have, you know, I have worked with people with schizophrenia, bipolar disorder multiple personalities um there's a you know there's a lot of things that we see and can't disclose but sure, no, it's, no, no. it's a tough job most of the time it's it's interesting to say the least let me That's ask you this right and we can move on from this but i'm just like so curious i never sat you down and asked you you know what you did <laughs> and why but it's That's admirable. Okay. No, one, <laughs> no one really knows and usually my family will ask me okay so you're a social worker, right? I have a question. <laughs> and it has nothing to do with I, what I do. And usually it's something for a lawyer. <laughs> uh, okay. I got you. Uh, yeah. Okay. But let me ask you this, right? Do you, and like, I don't know how to ask this question, but do you ever look at it and go, why the fuck am I doing this? Like, yeah. Like, because I mean, everybody hits that point in their job. Me, I have a job, right? And I'm hoping to make it a career. You have a career. 
that does require patience, dedication. You lose, trust me, it ain't cheap, you know, to go to school and, and do everything, putting everything on your wife, right? Putting a lot of things on hold. You're newlywed still, you know, that lost year, but you're still newlyweds. And <laughs> do you ever look at it and go like, fuck, man, I can go work for a private company doing something completely different or similar and still make yeah. more cash. But what keeps you coming back? I mean, that's a part of what social work is. You you know, they say social workers are superheroes and you know, I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, we are, we aren't. I'm just saying that to be a social worker, I think what some people don't realize is it takes a certain kind of person. Just like being a doctor, a nurse, it takes a certain kind of person. It's a certain type of patience. It's a certain type of compassion. You have to really want to be a social worker to be a social worker. And I admire, you know, um, social workers who work with kids. I admire social workers all across the board that do different types of things. For me, working with seniors, it's just, I don't know. I just, I love doing it. I love learning about what it's like being a senior and what to look forward to, you know, when I age and when my family ages. But um, it's a tough job, but it's more than a job. And I have had moments, of course, where I'm like, why am I still here? <laughs> and that was part of the reason why I decided to go back to school. I said, you know what? As much as I love my job, there are moments where I'm like, Burnout is real. I have, like, between two programs, 80 clients. That doesn't seem like a lot, but it is when you're managing That's 80, 80 people. people. Like, that's 80 people that have attitudes and drama and needs and wants. And everybody has their own little, you know, character, right? Like, I can't yeah, fucking imagine it. It's tough. And you have to remember, you know, those things and... It's tough. I remember one day I, I came home crying because it happens sometimes. Like, I'll be real with you. I have a day and work is just really hard. And I, I came home crying one day and I told Karen, I'm just like, man, like, I feel like everything I do is just never good enough. I feel like I feel like I'm stuck in this position. And she said, you know, being supportive. OK, well, you want to go back to school? So go back to school. I said, no, it's not the right time. Costs a lot of money. You can't do it. She's like, no, you can't keep putting yourself in the, this position and feeling this way because it's just going to wear you down. I said, yeah, you're right. So she said, all right, let's, let's make a deal. You apply for school within the next year or you find another job. I said, okay. So last year I applied for school. I got into the program I wanted. I really was nervous about getting into the program. I'm doing a one-year advanced standing program, meaning a year from now, I'll have a master's degree, which is crazy to think of, hopefully. Um, but I kind of needed that push, and I'm glad that my wife was, you know, Karen's amazing. She's so supportive, and she gave me the push I needed. And it was like, all right, I got the experience. Now I got to go back to school, take what I learned and put it into practice. So it feels like I'm starting over again, but I'm not, you know, back to back to school. <laughs> I think it's not starting over. I think it's just a jumping off point, right? Like you just kind of came back. Yeah. 
Like you had to it, it, come back. It is. It's it's because like it feels like I'm starting over because I have to start over with a new agency for my internship. And I feel like I'm doing my last year of school kind of all over again, oh, okay. but it's more, you know, intense and stuff. But I'm looking forward to it. And I feel like everything I've learned up until this point has prepped me as much as possible <laughs> for the next step. And I'm looking forward to it. I really like working with seniors and adults and it's something um, that I could say I'm passionate about and I'm eager to see what my next part of my journey is like. So, Cool. I'm happy for you. Thank you. All right. So let's move on to something a little different here. Got to know a little bit more about you at Chef Izzy. Is it Chef <laughs> underscore Izzy? Uh, Chef Izzy with three Zs. Chef Izzy with three Zs. At Chef Izzy. So you cook. You like to cook. You like to bake. I like to cook, yeah. I saw yeah. you in your story recently. You were making Mickey Mouse cookies. Yeah, I made cookies. Mickey Mouse Sugar cookies. cookies. Sugar cookies. Yeah. Man. Yep. So a year removed from Disney, you're opening Intel. up again. You're Disney. You and you and Karen uh, are like Disney like aficionados. We're legacy pass holders. Sorry. That means something to somebody, but not me. Uh, <laughs> but Disneyland's opening up again. I hear it's getting more expensive. And yep. can't afford it. What's going to happen? heartbroken were you gonna just live like curiously through like videos online and through instagram stories and people i know and disney grammars (laughs) that i follow and tiktok disney Disney grammars and disney talkers is that what it is Uh, disney tiktok disney tiktok you said you found something besides Disney on TikTok recently that you're you're doing. You mentioned the book club, right? Yeah, I found a book club. How's that just happen? Like I've someone tried <laughs> doing that with me. Like hold on, we have we have a, a primo Salvi Sonidos NYC. He has a book club uh, regularly. You know, so check him out on Instagram. Uh, he uh, he invited us. Walter was part of the group. We actually get the author sometimes in the in the group to talk about his book which or their book pardon so it's pretty interesting but like i've never just come across and stumbled upon a book club like that like how did you honestly it like it just fell into my lap basically i i love to read and i've like thought about you know doing those instagram where it's like oh you tag someone and then you know, it keeps going. And I'm like, yeah. uh, I don't know if I trust these. I feel like they're kind of scammy. I like, got burned on one of those. Because they're like, oh, yeah. give me your, your name and your address. And here's a book. And we'll send you a book. book. But you have to send a book. And you have to yeah. tag like three people. Yeah, I'm not down for that. So I, I was just I was just scrolling through TikTok, you know, my For You page. And this TikTok came up. And it was like, oh. If you're down to do like a queer Chicana uh, book club, then uh, click the link in bio. So I'm like, why not? I have nothing else to do. So queer Chicana book club. It's queer Chicane with an E at the end. Chicane or Chicanex book club. Uh, Queer queer Chicanex book club. There has to be some combination you can come up with, guys. But anyways, keep going. (laughs) I'm interested. 
So I went to the link in their bio and then I saw a Google form and I don't know, I love filling out Google forms and you never know where it leads. And it led to me getting an email like a week later with like 60 other people in a book club. <laughs> so what, what books are you, well, what book are you reading currently? So I'm on my first book and it's called Juliet Takes a Breath by Gabby Rivera. Oh, what, what's it about? Pitch us. It's, so basically we have a lesbian in the Bronx, female. Uh, she's 19. This is, takes place in the early 2000s. So it's like she's from the Bronx and she gets this internship with a white, a writer, feminist writer in Portland. And she's like, where the fuck is Portland? Like, <laughs> where yeah. is that? So she goes and it's about like her, you know, being radical, learning about her identity as a lesbian woman, as a, she's a Puerto Rican, so as a, you know, Latina woman and how those identities intersect. But also she's Afro-Latina, so how that intersects with her Latinx identity and her queer identity. And she meets other people, she meets one other person so far in the book where they're black and she's like, whoa, I see someone who kind of looks like me, you know, in a mm. sea of white people, yeah. you know what I mean? An ally, <laughs> someone to latch on to. Honestly, <laughs> I feel like I wish I would have had this book when I was in middle school because like reading it, it makes me feel all these things of like, you know, hope and all these things I felt that I wish I would have felt when I was like 12. You know what I mean? I wish there was this kind of representation back then. And I'm glad to see that there's representation now for for teenagers. It's like a almost like a young adult book, but I feel like it's never too late to embrace those, you know, hidden selves. <laughs> no, I mean, I read... Cause I read, I read as much as I can. I read a lot more graphic novels, comics, but I still read books. They actually and have a graphic novel or the graphic. What is it? Graphic they novel. They have a. Uh, they have a graphic portion of this book. Oh, like a graphic. I didn't get that one. Oh, okay, like a graphic comic book version, or kind of yeah. Version? Okay. Yeah, I saw it on Amazon. <laughs> oh, cool. Hey, maybe there you go. Uh, I I read uh, like a year or two ago. I think I mentioned it to you, but it's called Laura Dean Keeps Breaking Up With Me. And it's about a, a, yeah. a young girl uh, recently came out and she's in Berkeley in California. The most, you know, Berkeley's known for like <laughs> just being liberal and accepting yep. and every being idea. Free self, radical. All that stuff. And it's the early days of a, a relationship where she hooks, ends up, in a relationship with somebody that's of uh i don't know been out a lot longer like a vet mm -hmm. uh, uh, is there a word for a a lesbian tenured vet. a tenured lesbian <laughs> <laughs> like a tenured lesbian and <laughs> is she it, a classic gold star i don't know what does that mean <laughs> <laughs> a gold star oh god it's like a term it's basically a lesbian who's never been with a cis man. Oh, so, okay. Okay, so I'm going to tread lightly, I guess. So she's the gold star. <laughs> would be the same as, uh, 
a guy trying to date a girl has never been with another man kind of thing? Or am I completely off? It's only like for women, sure, loving sure. women, sure. people. But I want to yeah. understand it in a sense, right? I want to. I don't want to diminish so, it or take away from it, or I don't. Know, I want to so, understand. It. A gold star is like. I don't want to stereotype because that's yeah, we're not trying right. To avoid but, it, but in terms, in terms with the lesbian community, they would use a gold star to kind of describe someone who's like butch, never been with a man, cis man, mm. never, uh, never had intercourse, sexual okay. relations, okay. only been with women. Ah, uh, okay. I'm gonna leave it at that because I get a different yeah. a different label in my head when I hear that. But I'll, I'm just gonna move forward. But yes, uh, I get guess, a gold star. <laughs> I got you, gold star. Okay, mm-hmm. but in the book, it's uh this girl ends up like basically like attached to this to this other woman. Uh, the gold star, I guess, would be attached <laughs> to her, this Laura Dean character, and she keeps dumping her. Yeah. He keeps dump. She keeps dumping her for like dumb reasons or hooking up with other people saying hey this is how it is um like kind of almost in a way duping her like this is what it is this is the life like i don't know what what you're trying to try why are you holding me down this is not what it is and yeah. obviously by the end of the novel you you learn a lot more about they're very, very respectful at least i thought about that it's it's not it doesn't matter your persuasion or, or it's a matter of just monogamy you know and right. how someone can abuse someone that's not very aware or still young in that experience, experience right? So it was very interesting, but it, it's cool. I don't know. That one's something to check out. I don't know if, you, if you've if you ever uh, decided yeah, to look into it. Yeah, that sounds interesting. But, uh, it sounds so. like, um, it's kind of like with the queer relationships, especially in this book that I'm reading. It's like, this is her first relationship with another woman. And the the other woman in the book, you know, they're both like nineteen. She goes away on her own internship, and they're like on completely separate ends of the country. She's in D.C. Um, Juliet is in Portland, and she's like hitting her up because right before she leaves for Portland, she comes out to her family, her Puerto Rican family in the Bronx. They had no clue, I'm guessing. They had no clue, and they're like. What do you mean? Like, no, it's fine. You just never found the right man. It's just a phase, you know. Those typical uh, sentences you might get from your Latino family. I know. So I, she's like, I don't know. I try to um to sit back. I was talking to James. Right, we we're driving in the car about something. I forget what we we're talking about. And we're t- he's gonna go to junior high soon. He's uh yeah. done with, and uh. We're talking about somehow some way we got to the point where we're like, you know, if you end up liking someone, you know, if you like boys or you like girls. And then and I said, well, I asked, I just straight up went like, you like boys or do you like girls? And I asked him and he's like, Whoa. he's like, no, he just went like, I like girls. And I was like, OK, cool. I had told him like, cool, you know, and I kind of moved. I moved on because I feel like if we get a hang up on that he's going to have hangups about yeah. it down the line if ever he does right. decide where he wants to do. Right. But yeah, I don't know. I think it's one of those things that you would, at least nowadays hope other parents are doing too. I don't know if we're, if, if I'm hope, like 
you know, teach your kids, like, hey, it's okay to be whoever you are, whether that be the person, you know, you were assigned supposedly at birth. If you don't like your name, all right, what do you want to be called? If you don't like being a he, she, they, z, whatever it is, what would you prefer? What feels good for you? Having those options, like, you know, like, like I said, if those options would have been more available and accessible at a younger age, I feel like I would have had a very different path coming out and even to the person I am now. And I think Karen would say the same. But just having, you know, supportive family and then having people in your family that you know are gay or queer or, you know, um, they have different pronouns than you. It's kind of like, oh, well, okay, it's okay if I decide that's what I want later or if I decide I want that and then change my mind, that's okay too. It's part of growing up. You mentioned like the representation in, in the literature, right? Uh, you yeah. know, we always hear on the show, we talk to creators about, you know, representation matters with Latinx, you know, minorities, other groups. And also you look at the LGBTQ community, like you said, the only images I remember growing up have been of like the very effeminate man, you know, over the top right. effeminate man and how it was a joke character. You know, yeah. or even if we go to the other extreme, a very creepy, dangerous character, you know, like yeah. there was never a, a normal dude that it's just never happens. like someone like, oh, I could be like that person, you know, just like if you saw someone on TV, like a like a singer or a music yeah. artist and you're like, I want to be like them. Like, I wish I would have had, you know, someone queer to look up to and be like, I want to be like them, too. You know what I mean? And they're just doing normal stuff. But I think that the image, or let me rephrase, not the image, but like the, the I guess, picture painted by pop culture or whatnot has always been that whole promiscuity. Like Eddie talked about last week, he's like, yeah. he's like, oh man, hey, my my, uh, you know, I think I'm very promiscuous in my sexuality. Like I like to be out there and have multiple partners and, and have all that. Some yeah, people do. Some people are more open about it. Sure, Some but that goes back to the book, right? I'm talking about like. In the book, it was like almost like like yeah, the gold star. We'll use her. <laughs> they're saying they're saying, "Come on, dummy! This is what it is. Yeah. This is the lifestyle." But in reality, it, you kind of learn it's through the. Not. It's not. It's, it's not, not, not like that. There's parts of it that are, and parts of it that aren't. You know what I mean? Like, sure, some people do identify with those terms. All power to them. That's awesome. But that is anybody, mean, right? It doesn't matter. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it's all about like, you know, mutual respect, you know, you be who you want to be and you respect how other people want to be, too. You shouldn't degrade someone just because their beliefs aren't yours, as long as they're not being harmful to other people. You know, if you're being anti-Semitic, a bigot, a racist, of course, your beliefs don't matter. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. But say when you look at representation in literature, you're reading these books now. You're seeing a lot more on television. You know where it's it's leaning more to to inclusion. Is it getting better? It is. It's it's progress is progress. But I mean, I feel like especially you know Pride Month is coming up, right? And you see all people like all these different brands and corporations that are like oh this is our pride collection this is what we're selling but what are you doing for pride are you donating are you doing anything else besides pride month that has to contribute to 
LGBTQ plus organizations? Are you helping us in any way? Are you just using us as another way to profit? Well, I mean, I think it's, there was an argument once made, I think, not argument, but yeah, we talked about on the show where they were saying like Latinidad is is for sale, you know, like our culture has been co-opted, has been taken, has been sold. You can go anywhere and buy a Dia de los Muertos apron and, you know, nail cutter. You know what I mean? Like appropriation, appropriation, right? So would you say the gay culture has gotten to that point because it's being accepted more and more that they say, okay, cool, let's make a profit. So you said, is it progress for progress sake? Or is it, do you still kind of feel like, like, like kind of done it, kind of like burnt out? I feel like, you know, of course, progress, you want to see progress. And I feel like things, the world we're living in today is a lot more accepting of the world 20 years ago yeah. or 30 years ago, even like 10 years ago. Um, so there's progress. I see a lot more people being conscious about the pronouns they use for other people, pronouns of themselves, being more inclusive. But on a larger scale, it's like we take two steps forward and then one step back. You know what I mean? It's like even in the you know the U.S. like they they gay marriage has been open since like 2013, and um, even now there's still bans from when Trump was president. Where it's like, oh well, if you go to a, a medical office, they don't have to accept that you're married to, to someone yeah. of the same sex. They don't have to accept you if you're trans. So it's like, well. You could be open about your pronouns, but you can't have basic rights as anyone else. Like You can have this, but you can't have that. Yeah, it's like you're seen as less than. And I mean, I want to say, yeah, we're progressing. We're doing so much better. But it, And I get it. I wasn't alive during things like Stonewall. And so, of course, we're further along then because at least we can exist on the street. But some people can't. You know, you see trans, especially people of color, queer people of color who are being attacked on the street. And it's like, well, yes or no, you can exist if you're passing. But if you're completely open about who you are, it's like, do you want to take that risk? Who knows? So it's even, it's almost obvious, right? But I'll say it out loud because why not? It's like, like the, the it's like the subset of, a, a like, you're, you're like, not only are you... Latino, Latinx, you're LBGTQ plus, you're, you can be, and we're talking economically, you know, stunted, and you keep going down, 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 like you become a sub, 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 subset, and then you start looking at like, damn, like you get, you get chopped down so low that you don't have the same representation, you don't even be, aren't being considered anymore. Well, yeah, because they say like, um, what is it? They put those, like, graphics of it's like, oh, if you're a white woman, you're at the same level of, like, a black man or, you know? Yeah. Like, stuff like that. And it's like, okay, well, check here. You're Latinx. Check here. You're a woman. Check here. You're queer. (laughs) Like, (laughs) yay, the odds are against me. (laughs) I don't know. It's a trip, man. Like, I still look at it and even me, like, you know, I'm, like, complexion. And they tell me, oh, you're passing. So that's why you can you can go yeah. through this. And it's like, 
and I, t- I told uh, Walter because Walter's much darker complexion than me, and so mm-hmm. is Eddie. And even you know, I tell people like, dude, like that's the shitty thing within our own people, right? Right. They said, oh, like imagine Latinos. Oh, we're we're struggle. We're supposed to be together. Hey, but yeah. you're darker skinned, so I'm not supposed. Oh, so that makes you lesser than me, or now it's vice right. versa now because the things that tables have turned. We- I feel like a lot of Latinos and Latinx people, they just pin it themselves against each other. It's like, oh, well, your struggles aren't the same as mine. I struggle way harder, so you can't compare, or you're not really struggling, or you're not really tired. You know, we're fighting the same race. We're not fighting against each other. We're, <laughs> we're fighting our oppressors. They're just, they're just letting us pin each other, pin ourselves against each other because they the focus stays on us and not on them and we're like hello focus on the people who are oppressing us and telling us no you can't do this job no you can't have access to these rights no you can't you know have what we have but that's not true we can but it's like we need to be united just like we need to be united with other minorities we should be united with indigenous people we should be united with black people you know they, if anyone understands our, our struggles, it should be our fellow PLC. Like, come on. Yeah. But what is it, right? It's the feeling that, hey, there's only so much, there's only Oppression. so many human rights out there that only so many people can get it. That's what it feels like always. It's like, yeah. dude, everyone should have the, the rights, period. It's not like, hey, if, 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 if the Black Lives Matter movement is threatening you, because you're on the wrong side of that of that argument you know exactly. what i mean it's not exactly. we're supposed to support and hold them up because yeah why not like whenever you hear things and it like, shouldn't be it shouldn't be like oh well what are they doing for us they're with us just like we're supporting them why is it that we have to fight each other to be seen for the same kind of issues you know we have indigenous people who are missing and murdered we have black people who are missing and murdered we have latinos missing and murdered we have lgbtq people missing and murdered we're all trying to fight the same right the same things and win the same rights. so why put each other down we should help each other and we're bigger as a collective than we are yeah uh, i saw this video like i saw this tiktok with i forget this woman's name and she was saying like you're in the matrix because you want to be in the matrix you know, like it, what happened last year when the pandemic was that everybody shut down. No one went out. No one spent any money. Like out of nowhere, the government, that, that's a proof that there is no real structure without the people. Because at that point, the government's like, fuck, you guys need to go spend money. Here's some money. Right. right? Hey, you guys need to go do something. Here's this. Like there's there, there, yeah. like we as a people need to just like you said, there's more of us than there are of them. You know, when we should be the ones plastered all over TV and and books and magazines and everything, like all of us. Anything they're profiting off off of our oppression and off our cultures. Like, why do we, you know, not that we let them, but like they take things from us. But why are they the ones profiting off of the things that we curate, the things we make, the things that are part of us, who we are as people? You know what I mean? Like, that's not cool. It's not cool, and it's sad because you would think that at this stage, if it's more accepting and people are more open, we're having these conversations. Anybody yeah. can have a podcast, apparently. Like, like a, you know, anybody can. Uh, like dozens you, of people. Dozens of people. Uh, you know, right now, uh, you would think that we get to that point where we can just build up this. You know, I had some friends uh, of the show 
a long time ago they were trying to talk about uh starting their own like their own like I would say a cartel of like comic books and creators and, and novels and books, right? Because they're saying like, why do we have to go to these old guards to get our right. books distributed to these shops, to these things, right? Yeah. You know, for them to say like, oh no, this this isn't gonna sell. People don't want to see this. Who are you looking to please? If if we're making this, we're telling you there's gonna be an audience of people that want to read this, want to watch this, want to whatever oh, yeah and definitely like we should saying, know who's gonna want to yeah, see like, that thing there's there's more people out there there's more of me than there are of you right 100%. and so if you look at it shout out to the five meats guys at five meats like they were talking about the fact that why can't we just be have a collective that we curate if you would push it out there figure out how to distribute it and get it into these places our own brand our own movement to make it happen right we're in the that world you where you can do that and it just trips me out how there can't be that connection in general with all the groups, right? It's always okay. that that fear of us against them, yeah. you know. And even with social issues, even with you know, with we said you know, for example, like with the LGBT community, there's always been like, and it's sad to say, they were always the bottom of everybody else's issues. You know, they were oh, they were like almost like over here in the corner kind of thing. Like we'll ignore yeah. it. And there's it matters. it's like, you know, there's the white gays, white gay men specifically, and then there's like everyone else. Mm. We're in separate categories. Because too, like, if you're a white gay man, you're going to have a lot more privileges and rights and acceptance and things are going to be more catered to you than if you're a queer, trans, a woman of color you know what i mean yeah. it's like you're not gonna have the same uh pride as you are mm-hmm. if you're a white man you see all these things that cater to white gay men and um it's just not the same and you can even see like there's a lot of judgment in the lgbtq plus community and it stems from white gay men not saying all white gay men are no but i've seen it i've seen it i've seen it i had a friend tell me he's like his name's well his name's joe good good friend of mine and he told me he's like dude like he's an older guy so he's an older guy he's gonna be he's like in his close to his 60s older gay man um his partner is a young black man having good times he tells me um but (laughs) what he always told me was the fact that he goes, yeah, when you go to the parades, they're the ones that are getting the free gifts. They're getting like the attention. The cameras are on they're them. On the they're on the floats. They're the ones acting a fool. And we're like, and they get away I with can't. it. Yeah. He's like, but I can't go out there. The same, if you see the same gay person, but they're black or a person of, of color, they're almost criticized or criminalized for doing the same thing. Yep. Saying, like what's the, the guy, he goes he goes the buff white guy on on the float is in a g-string acting a fool but if i take off my shirt i'm being looked at weird because i'm not i don't have six packs abs you know like i'm not I'm being body shamed in a way uh it, it's it's true it's like anything else right it's okay for only these people and he's told me himself too he goes i've dealt with gay nazi men that have been yeah. that i'm like oh shit i didn't it didn't click There's in my head a- there's a whole ass group on like TikTok and Facebook that are gay people for Trump. 
and I, gays for Trump. And I'm like, what? It's all, it's like as bad as Latinos for Trump. What is wrong with you? Yeah, it's a trip, man. It's a, it's look, at the end of the day, we're all the same. Like we have I'm not the same as them. Oh no, no. But I don't claim them. <laughs> They're not invited to my pride. They're not part of your pride. Hell no. See, it's it's there. You know, the world is so small, but we're so it's so big too in a way. Like we're so far away from each other. But we're right yeah. next to each other walking by in the same parade that everybody's saying, I'm an ally, I'm doing this and this, but no really? Like you just want the picture for the gram, right? And right. and that's really what I've noticed. Like, you know, when my sister came out to us and it was It wasn't like but, a big like pride, like No, we didn't have a fucking balloons going off and, and you know, a whole party, but we respected that she felt safe enough to talk to us and obviously there's growing pains in any family, right? Especially a Latino yeah. family like ours ours was. Thankfully our family was able to muscle through it and work through it. I mean, there's still hangups here and there, right? There's people in our family yeah. that won't interact with us, you know, because of that. Didn't get invited to the wedding. Well, fuck them. It's your wedding. I was there. <laughs> I was so happy. But time. I love that we're having this conversation. I love that we're we're here. I'm, I'm glad you're in our in, in my life and our family, my my sister's life. You Thank know. You. Thank you for and having me. No, Glad of to be part of the family. There you go, man. You're a prima. You got a hashtag keeping it queered. Remember, keeping you know, that keeping it queered. <laughs> but uh, Izzy, I want to thank you for coming on the show, chatting with me. I always have a blast talking to you. And Thank you. I feel like you were interviewing me. Like I, I know, I felt right? Like I was like low-key on the spot. I'm like, I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about like cartoons and shit, you know, like. I'm ready to talk about Steven Universe and how dope it is, you know? I know, right? Man, cause can't, I, but we can't, we can't do that show without Karen, though. So, you know, we have yeah, to have Karen. True. We can't, we can't. Karen loves Steven Universe, so. <laughs> uh, but we are at the end of the show. I hope you, you had a blast. Uh, and Primos, uh, I appreciate you guys listening. You know, it's always fun to have conversations. Know that, of course, like I said, we're all working towards the same goal. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. There's plenty of human rights for everyone. <laughs> They're not going to run out. I promise. <laughs> There's also plenty of oppression <laughs> for yeah, everyone. Yeah, Don't exactly. fight for it. <laughs> yeah, let's not step on each other. Let's let's kind of help each other up, right? Let's help each other up. But Izzy... There's lots of love. Lots of love. Lots of love. Usually we have a guest say a couple words, you know, and... You know the drill. Just kind of do what you want to do. Say what you want to say. Uh, take us out. Well, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. Good, felt good to be back on the show. So, uh, yeah, if you guys got questions, you want to have a discussion, follow me, Instagram, hit me up, whatever. Pleasure. Have a good night. Good night. Adios.